0: You're listening to Straight from the CPA's Mouth. This episode is the second in a series of four specials for Financial Literacy Month. I'm Danielle Blackburn, Communications Coordinator with the CPA Education Foundation, and I am one of your co-hosts. With me is Andrew Mendoza, fourth-year accounting student at Grant McEwen University, and we will be talking with Raymond Latange, CPA, CGA, about the impact of debt and how to deal with it.
1: I heard that future casting is an essential for tool dollars, for long-term business. According to a recent poll,
2: 48% of Canadians say they are $200 or less each month away from... Is this down again? Do you think the energy sector... Say the economy is too uh, so dependent on... ...the Canadian
1: students leaves university with $26,000... ...considering cloud computing for my business?
2: Filter out the noise. Hear it straight from the CPA's mouth.
1: Welcome, Raymond, and thanks for joining us for today's episode to talk about debt and personal finances. So first off, why don't you give us a little bit about yourself and a bit about your CPA career path?
2: All right, well, thanks for having me, Andrew and Danielle. It's good to be here. I'm happy to participate. Uh, My career path, I actually started out in wealth management in banking, and I actually never wanted to be an accountant, but my career path was uh, a, a little bit jagged. I started off in in banking and wealth management, then I became an accountant in uh, in a corporate setting, and then I came back to a career in wealth management and financial planning. So um, you know it uh, it has been a bit of a non linear career path.
0: Awesome, yeah, kind of full circle. It has been, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So we're gonna have a few questions with regards to personal finances and debt. Can you share us some stats regarding that, like how many people have debt, and what are like the demographics of those who have debt?
2: Uh, yeah. So I guess it depends on how you measure it. Uh, how many people have debt? I mean, I've read stats uh, upwards of ninety percent uh, to a hundred percent, even uh, depending on how you measure it. I mean, if you want to consider the, uh, the true sense of debt, somebody who's over eighteen and has a legal obligation to to another party, then um, you know you're looking at eighteen year old uh, people and and above and they'd be owing debts to anyone from student loans to credit cards to uh, banks and what have you I guess where the hundred percent comes in is maybe if people owe their mom uh, you know twenty dollars that they borrowed for uh, for something the week before or they overextended themselves on their allowance i mean uh, there's different ways you can you can measure it but I'd say that the the the, the primary uh, demographic of of debt is the uh, the, the the main um, sources of borrowing, such as from banks, credit cards, uh, loans for uh, for large consumption, and uh, of course mortgages. And then on the uh, on the earlier side, uh, uh, being younger, uh, having a lot of student student loan debt. Um, let me ask you, what types of debt do you know are there? Well, again, you know, it's uh, it, it can range anything from I borrowed uh, a few dollars from a friend, I need to pay him back, to uh, you know having hundreds of thousands of dollars or more owing on, on consumption, uh, houses, cars, vacations, what have you. Uh, there's credit card debt, there's student loan debt, and, uh, you know, on, on, I also do work with a lot of business owners, and there's uh, um, debt that uh, business owners take to grow their businesses.
0: So, you know, something like student loan debt, that's obviously a debt that's relative to a certain demographic, but are other types of debt relative to other demographics?
2: Uh, Well, that's a good question. I'd say if we uh, lump things together, uh, it's natural to think that students would be, you know, by and large uh, of a younger demographic and uh, that would be applicable to, uh, to students. And then, if you follow that life cycle, students graduate and they have uh, student loan debt. And then they're making money, and so they they start to get those uh, those desires to purchase uh, vehicles or um, you know more fancy clothes or go on vacations because they've just spent a lot of time in school, as Andrew knows. Then, you, when you follow the life cycle of of a person and the and the debt cycle, then you start to see possibly some more personal consumption loans and uh, and credit card loans uh, accumulating. And then when you Get a little bit older, maybe you get married and you start a family and you need a bigger house and you go from renting to, uh, to, to purchasing a home, then for most people, home purchase is the largest amount of debt that they'll ever have in their life, lifetime. And then, of course, on the other side, with a lot of the, the people that I deal with on, uh, who own businesses, they're borrowing um, to just manage cash flow, uh, working capital, and to help grow the business.
1: With all things in mind, would you say that can be inevitable?
2: I would say that the optimist in me would believe that that isn't inevitable. You know, when I grew up, my family didn't give me a lot of luxury goods. If I wanted them, I had to pay for them myself. And so, you're probably too, too young to be familiar with this word, but uh, I used to do something called layaway. And I remember I bought a bike and I put it on layaway. And essentially what that is, is that I went into the store with uh, a payment uh, every two weeks. I worked at, uh, at a retail food outlet. And I slowly paid it off. So it wasn't really debt, but it was a form of actually paying for something before actually getting it. Uh, the optimist in me would hope that, no, people don't need to go in debt. It's not inevitable if you can manage your finances accordingly. The pessimist in me, however, says it absolutely is inevitable. You know, like I said, when we talk, follow the, uh, the, the personal life, life cycle, when people go to school, graduate, get jobs, buy houses... It's really difficult, especially in this day and age, that um, you can't really buy a lot of big ticket items unless you save really hard and really disciplined. And, and unfortunately, I don't uh, see a lot of people actually having that discipline, so debt uh, would be inevitable in that case. But it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think if you can plan for it and manage it accordingly, there's you know nothing wrong with debt. So to say it's inevitable on one hand is okay, Um, without the connotations that it's going to be a bad thing. So if you can manage it properly, then inevitable debt isn't necessarily um, a bad thing.
0: Right. And that, I think, kind of raises the question, is there good debt or bad debt? Right. Because if some debt is inevitable, such as a mortgage, that's not necessarily bad debt. You're building equity.
1: Like student loans, kind of like investing in yourself in the future. Mm. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like what kind of debt is bad debt?
2: Any debt can be uh, can be considered bad debt, but I wouldn't say, you know, people often think credit card debt is bad debt. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I don't fully agree with it. I, I, I'd say more specifically, bad debt is debt that you can't control. So I know students who, and these are literal examples, a student who had $5,000 in credit card debt, and they were freaking out. And I've got other people who would say, wow, five thousand uh, dollars. I wish, uh, I wish that was it. And and they have mounting credit card debt and debt that uh, that that's not able to be controlled. So I'd say credit card debt does get a bad bad rap, but you need a credit card in this day and age, and to go on vacation and and, and book hotels and flights and whatnot. Um, even just for uh, you know our, our digital electronic age that we live in right now, um, so many th- things are bought online. Credit card debt can be Uh, a very useful tool but when it gets out of hand that's the problem and so I'd say not necessarily having mortgages uh, debt is good or bad or credit card debt is good or bad or student loan debt if uh, like Andrew says uh, I like that point if you're investing in yourself and there's a payoff on the other side then it can be good debt and that's the same thing with business owners they're often getting into debt because there is a good payoff on the other side. So apart from those um,
1: what are the different approaches
2: you'd suggest to deal with with each type of debt? If it's manageable, then th- then it, it doesn't have to be a problem. And uh, so I'd say the first step is to really get, a con- get control on your finances, know where you stand. So CPA actually, as we're participating now, has a financial literacy program, and it's all about being able to know uh, where you stand, what, uh, what money does, what it means. And, and you think that that actually sounds really elementary, but to so many people, the problem is that not so much that they don't know about credit cards and mortgages, it's that they're so agnostic. And and a lot of people don't like to take the time to really find out, uh, you know, the, what rate are they paying on their credit card? I mean, ideally, you should pay it off. Should you shop around for uh, for other providers? Can you get consolidated debt? Even with mortgages, can you look around for, for better rates from other institutions? So back to your question, Andrew, uh, how do you manage it? Well, I think the most important piece is to know where you stand financially. Have a financial plan done. You can actually get a lot of, uh, you know, basic cash flow fi- uh, financial planning uh, done f- um, for free through uh, banks and, and financial advisors. And uh, you don't necessarily. I mean, there's there's fee for service planners out there, but you don't necessarily need to pay thousands of dollars to uh, to know where you, s- you stand financially. Even work with your local bank, your local financial advisor, and uh, and just even get yourself on a path. That's awesome. Um, So my next question, so as
1: a student myself, I'm very interested to ask this question. If there are any advantages to have a large amount of debt when you are young compared to you are later in your career and life?
2: Well, I'd say there's never necessarily any advantages to having a large amount of debt. But again, you know, if you can service it, then then that's the the, the big issue. But having said that, being younger affords you the opportunity to actually have a longer time to, to, to pay it off. The problem with, with debt um, that I feel from an investment and in a planning perspective is debt when it's out of control and if there's a lot of debt, it's a wealth killer. Uh, I deal with um, clients on both sides of the balance sheet, debt management and asset accumulation. And so when you have a lot of debt early in life and even if you can service it and you think, okay, I, I can pay this off any or I, I've got a plan to pay this off in, in 10, 15 years, whatever it is, well, the money that you have that's going towards that debt is money that you're not putting into savings. And that's the other consideration you need to be aware of.
0: Right. There's a balance there.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And what about credit rating? Is there a benefit to having debt in that regard and how it relates to your credit rating?
2: Yeah. You know, surprisingly, a lot of people think that, uh, you know, I have to have a, a bunch of credit cards and I have to have a personal loan and a car loan and I need all this debt in order to build a credit rating. And you don't. You need to have maybe one credit card a student loan will go on on your credit rating and you know the big thing is i mean there's a lot of, a lot of the variables that go into a credit rating but essentially what it's measuring is how well are you managing the debt that you have and I, i'm not an expert in this field but as i understand it you, if you have a lot of credit cards i mean i wouldn't recommend that but none of them have balances on them that actually can can bode well i'm not advocating for a lot of credit cards but uh, if you show that you have debt it's not out of control or you have credit and it's not out of control and that you're managing it and using it wisely, then that's all you need to start establishing a credit rating. But I'd say even further for students who are looking at establishing a credit rating, um, if they're just starting off with their student loan debt and they make appropriate payments and and manage it properly, then that's going to be a great start to the credit rating.
1: That's very interesting to know.
2: Um, So I
1: just have some few questions regarding personal finance terminologies. Can you tell us what are like debt management plans, like debt consolidation loans and credit advisors? I know you talked about it earlier, but maybe like a brief like a more in-depth mm-hmm.
2: discussion. So an easy one to go to is uh, your your financial advisor or your, your banker right I mean that's uh, what they' they're there for a lot of times is to uh, help you manage your money and give you money for things that you need to borrow for. And with a consolidation loan, These are often beneficial for people who maybe debt is starting to get a little bit out of hand. They have a few credit cards. um, They've got some personal loans. They've got uh, consumption loans. And by consumption loans, I just mean that, you know, they they haven't really bored for anything other than maybe to go on a vacation. So they have nothing to show for it afterwards. But now there's except for the, the debt that's outstanding. So... Consolidation loans can be actually quite beneficial for people who do feel that their, lo- their loaned and credit card debt is getting a little out of hand. You combine it all into one loan. Uh, you have to qualify, just like uh, you would for any loan. And you put it all into one payment, and then you have one monthly payment instead of trying to service all these uh, these individual debts. The benefit of that is that often, if not always, the consolidated loan rate is a, co- is a lot lower than what the credit card uh, rate would be. Uh, often credit card rates are, I mean, a, a low rate might be 11%, um, up to you know 20, 28%, I think, in some cases. And so um, when you start to get really high debt like that, it's it becomes almost like you're on a, a never-ending treadmill. It's hard to get ahead, especially if you're just making minimum payments on your credit cards. A consolidation loan can actually help get you out of that rut. The other thing is, uh, along the lines with, of a consolidation loan, there are some things called uh, home equity loans. Now, these are a little bit more complex where you actually use the equity that you ho- have in your home to consolidate some debt. And a lot of people are doing that now because low- rates are so low and they have equity in their home with the growth in their value of the price of their home. And so what you can do is um, take equity out from your home, kind of combine it into one uh, big mortgage payment. So the idea would be that with your one mortgage payment, you are covering all of your debt. But the important thing there is that you don't user credit cards just to go back out uh, and buy more things for no reason and get back into debt again.
1: Well, wow, that's very interesting to know. Mm. I guess my last question is, for this part of the questions, what would you say is the number one rule to remember when dealing with debt?
2: Based on my experience and what I've seen, and um, I'm quite passionate about this, just be aware. And I think this uh, the the financial literacy program is so aptly named because just be literate about your finances, and you know when you when you take that quite literally, you know literacy. You know when you think of it in terms of of reading, it's like you know, do I know how to read? Um, am I literate? Um, it's the same thing with financial literacy: is you know, do I know what these numbers mean on the page? Um, am I aware of of what the story is that they're telling me? And so, by and large, I, uh, I'd say just be aware. Um, stop being agnostic. The worst thing anyone can ever do about their finances is nothing. Debt is uh, is a major part of everyone's um, or a lot of people's finances. And so if, if it's in control, great, but still don't think that there's nothing to, to manage or, or to be aware of. If it's out of control, uh, I'd say even more so, don't avoid it. I know it's painful and I know it's uh, not a nice thing to have to deal with, but the fact is that if it's your debt, you need to deal with it and uh, whatever it is that you need to to, to do to to make your, your situation better. Talk to a financial advisor. Talk to credit counselors. There's a lot of credit counseling agencies out there. There's fees associated with some of that, but uh, even just talk to uh, your local bankers and uh, see what your options are.
0: Awesome. Well, now that we have an idea about... how to deal with it, the pros and cons, everything like that. We're going to take you through a couple scenarios and we're going to see what you have to say about them. Okay. Okay. So, Andrew, how about you take us through the first one? For (laughs) sure.
1: All right. Let's move on to a student scenario. Let's say Adam is in his third year of university. This sounds like me. (laughs) He's (laughs) managed to pay for his first two years of schooling with scholarships, but has had to take out a $10,000 student loan at 3% interest to pay for his third. He will likely have to do the same for his fourth year as well. And on top of that, each month Adam pays $500 in rent, $150 in car insurance, $150 in gas, $360 in food, $70 for his phone, and $200 for socializing or random purchases. That's a lot of expenses. (laughs) So during the school year, he works 20 hours a week at $16 per hour and works 40 hours a week at the same wage during the summers. He also has $4,500 saved. What would you tell Adam to do to minimize the amount of debt he will accumulate by the end of his degree?
2: Okay, so yeah, that actually is a lot of expense uh, for someone in Adam's position. But I first off start by saying... People's lifestyles are their lifestyles, right? People have certain preferences. I can't cook to save my life. Um, well, maybe to save my life, but uh, I often eat out a lot. And for me, despite my my beliefs on financial good financial management, I probably eat out way more than I should. So, but that's my lifestyle because that's what I need and that's what's uh, what's important to me. So, I'd say first of all, we don't want to necessarily. Criticize or be cynical about you know whether or not he spends too much on one thing or another. Um, but what we do, what I would do with Adam is is sit down and, and um, you know just review finances again. You know it's a it can be an easy start and everyone can do this actually. By the way, uh, the, in CPA there's a financial literacy program for um, uh, top ten financial habits and there's actually a lot of good tips in there. These are free prog- free programs by the way. A little bit of plug there. And uh, in the ten tips uh, ten financial uh, habit tips what we do is uh, we have everyone go through and fill out an income statement in a balance sheet. And it doesn't have to be complicated. Again, anyone can do this. And just to grab a scrap piece of paper and on one side, put your assets. On the other side, put your liabilities. And then on a the second piece of paper, write on one side your income and the other side your expenses. Now, ideally, on each of those pieces of paper, your assets should be growing and your debts not necessarily should be shrinking but your assets ideally should be growing faster than your debts and ideally long term your debts should be shrinking and on the other side if your expenses exceed your income then that is the first sign of of a problem Uh, you're spending more than what you're actually taking in and so only you know what your what your financial picture looks like Uh, so you know write it down and i'd say visually uh, once you actually write it down and see what what where everything sits then you really get uh, that's the the start of the the financial literacy process and uh, what i would say with adam is let's write that down see what his income statement and balance sheet looks like that's the the, the basis to form a financial plan and uh, then from there if expenses exceed the income then that's when adam has to ask himself okay what is so important to me that i can't give up or what are some things that i could possibly trim and then with, uh, with Adam's situation, uh, he's going to come out of school in uh, a year or so with uh, some student loans, and then he's going to have to start paying those back. But ideally, he would have some uh, employment at that point, that point, and then what he would do is to see how his his debt servicing payments factor into his income statement and make sure that he... Either works it out himself or works with an advisor that says, you know, at your maybe you're spending too much on your cell phone or too much on entertain, entertainment. But again, it, the important thing is not to to be judgmental. Um, and even on Adam, on himself, don't judge himself for being um, irresponsible. Just say, you know, what what are actual needs and what's what are musts and what are things some things that I can actually identify for um, to to manage my dad.
1: Absolutely, I really like the idea of categorizing your needs and wants so that it will enable you to. Um, okay, like, see which one you should um,
2: spend more with, I guess. And yeah,
0: like, it's a question of values. Absolutely. Yeah, and like you said, you were talking about lifestyle.
2: Yeah, and I think that's the big thing, is people often think, you know, I mean, I, I'm i referencing some, some clients and, and people that I've talked to in over my career, and people often think and they're, they're embarrassed because they have debt or they have credit cards that they don't pay off every month. But again, the, the thing is, um it's almost like being a doctor, you know, like there's no judgment. It's, you know, this is your situation. How are we going to deal with this? And the important thing is not to get down on yourself. And I think that's part of the problem is that people get down on themselves and they think, well, you know, I've I've somehow failed myself or I failed my family and, and they don't want to deal with that. But, you know, I you know, I can't emphasize enough, you know, if there's something to be dealt with, then deal with it and and ask for help.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Don't carry that that judgment and that burden. Just absolutely. Uh,
2: deal with it <laughs> absolutely exactly <Yeah. laughs>
1: that's a really great device. so I guess my last question is, is there anything that you think students should know about that before they begin their schooling?
2: Again, you know I, I keep coming back to you know being aware of your situation, being um, financial literate, um, you know, not not being agnostic uh, when I uh, went through university i in in hindsight, actually, I was pretty impressed with the kind of how I managed it um, because. I did some research, and I was able to find out you know, which schools cost what amount of money. I could have uh, lived at residence. Um, I decided not to because my parents said, you're, you're not uh, going to um, cost us any more money than you have to. Absolutely. And <laughs> yeah. uh, you know if I, I had the luxury of actually being able to stay at home, and, and a lot of people do unless you move away for school. But um, you know, understand what the costs are. And, and even if your parents are paying for it, be aware of what those costs are. And then, you know, if, if your parents are paying it off completely, then understand what the cost was. If they're not going to pay it off completely, understand what that's going to cost you on the other side. Um, and again, you know, the financial planner in me comes out and, and says, it's all about knowing what your short, medium, and long-term goals are. And really understand where you will be at those points. Short-term is easy because that's pretty much today. Um, but long-term in the student's case... Uh, understand what the the debt is that's going to be uh, facing you when you graduate and then uh, understand, okay, I mean, if it's $20,000 or $50,000, whatever it is, uh, you know, understand what your options are going to be at that time. I mean, there's uh, debt um, um, programs that uh, student loan programs that uh, banks have. Um, there's certain um, um, pay- repayment provisions that are available exclusively to students uh, for the repayment of student loans. So just understand what your options are and don't feel... Uh, that it's insurmountable. Um, You know, people come out of debts all the time quite successfully because they've dealt with it. Absolutely.
0: I think that's the unique situation of a student because, sure, they they don't have this solid income or whatever their income may be. It's definitely not as big as their liabilities, but they do have a lot of options. They can stay with, you know, their parents if they're not living out, you know, moving away for school or, you know, scholarships. They have... Oh, oh, yeah, a lot more options for their situation right. than people realize.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually a good point because when I talk about students preparing, um, I'm my, my mind is going to the debt management side of things, but that's the actual debt that you do incur. You know, tuition, whatever, it might be $10,000, but if you can actually get scholarships and grants, and there are a lot available out there, and um help to whittle down what that cost is to begin with, then absolutely, you know, uh, depending on the institution, cultural background or uh, financial background, there are a lot of uh, um, aid sources out there. And um, I'd say, you know, that's a good point that, you know, first explore those so that you can uh, minimize the debt that you have to take on in the first place.
0: Awesome. Well, how about we go into scenario number two? This is an early career scenario, so Stacy has been out of university for three years and has been working full time for two and a half of them. She has a salary of fifty one thousand dollars a year. She has twenty thousand dollars in student loans at three percent interest, and ten thousand dollars in a car loan at four point five percent interest. She pays seven hundred dollars in rent a month, along with seventy dollars for her phone, one hundred and fifty for gas. 300 for food and 300 for socializing and random purchases So what strategy would you suggest Stacy use to approach her debt situation
2: looking at the situation Stacy is actually doing fairly well um, starting out uh, in her career she's young she's making a good salary out of school and uh, you know she's been working for a couple of years but um, again when we go back to that scenario of writing down on one piece of paper your income in uh, one side and your expenses in this side and another piece of paper your debt on one side and assets on the other side. Then we start to to really use the income statement as a starting point to say, okay, Stacy has $51,000 in income and uh, she's got some some debt and, and some other expenses. So it looks to be that it's quite reasonable and it's, it's manageable for her. But again, we would start uh, not only with the financial, the quantitative as I say I say, um, I always tell clients there's a quantitative side to understand and a qualitative side to understand. The qualitative is uh, the softer side, the, the, the lifestyle expenses and uh, you know what what's important to her, her needs, her wants, her goals and values. And so if Stacy at this point wants to start tackling her debt, I would suggest that she starts uh, making her her debt payments according to her financial institution. But I would also recommend that uh, she start a, a savings program where she can start contributing to um, possibly a, a tax-free savings account or an RRSP. The decision on which to do there is actually uh, um, a little bit involved, which is not the scope of this discussion. <laughs> but uh, in Stacey's case, I would at least make sure that she's uh, contributing some sort of savings to a savings program, likely a TFSA at this point. Uh, what I would also say is that uh, with uh, Stacy's uh, expenses right now, she's paying for, uh, for rent, but uh, um, again, qualitatively, what are her goals? Does she want to actually start saving for a home in the future? Is she dating anyone? Is she, are they, are they uh, planning on getting married? Really, the picture that Stacy paints on the qualitative side—her fun, or her um, her personal situation, and what her goals and, and wants are—short term, medium, long term. If she's looking at uh, possibly um, replacing her car, she's got the ten thousand dollar car loan. Um, so I would imagine that you know, hopefully, that's a fairly recent uh, car. She doesn't have to replace uh, anytime soon, but. Um, that's what we do. Is we start to itemize each each item on the balance sheet and income statement, and then we start to say, okay, how much is left at uh, at the end of the month or the, at the end of the paycheck when we allocate our amounts to to pay for all this, and then with what's left over, we can say, okay. Well, what's more important to me? Do I want to start saving for a house? Do I want to start saving for retirement? Do I want to start saving for another car? Do I want to start saving for a wedding? First, we identify what are fixed expenses to say, okay, this is a, a non-negotiable. I need to pay these items. Food, rent, you know, clothing to some degree. And, uh, and entertainment. I always say An entertainment is a necessary expense. Um, you know, no use going crazy with a bunch of money in the bank, right? <laughs> and so uh, what we'd say is at the end of all, all the fixed expenses, how much do we have left over? And then it's a personal decision for Stacey to determine how she wants to allocate these funds. If paying off the debt is really really important to her, as it is to some people, then we can put a, a larger portion towards the debt. But I'd say also say what are the other goals that Stacey has. The decision to how, on how fast to pay off the debt, again, um, is really a personal decision for Stacey. On the quantitative side, high rate debt, generally speaking, and depending on which financial planner you ask, um, ideally, you should pay off your high debt for uh, your high rate debt first. But there's another, uh, there's there's different terms. There's one called a, a um, I what which term you use or which financial planner you talk to. There's a snowball effect where you can slowly pay off uh, a high rate debt or a big debt, but there's no real gratification on that because you think, well, I'm pa- I've been paying this thing off for so long. And then maybe you have some small debt, you know, a few thousand dollars or whatever it is. Um, and maybe it's not the highest debt, but if paying that debt off gives you gratification, then and absolutely. And you can see
0: progress with it. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Right. You can actually see what um, what, what the results are uh, more immediately. And so even if uh, if it's a low rate debt, if you get uh, some sense of satisfaction by paying that off and, and, and it instills progress in you, then absolutely. So I'd say that's the, the, the first point is from a planning perspective is let's see what's left over. Um, compare that to what Stacy's goals and objectives are, and then make decisions accordingly.
0: Awesome. So then what do you think about somebody who's, you know, in a similar situation, but they don't, they're not necessarily making the income that she has, and they kind of have to make that dire decision between saving or paying off debt? Is it situational? Does it depend on the person's values? Or is there kind of a right answer?
2: No, there's not necessarily a right answer because it does depend on each individual person. And so I'd I'd say that um, with uh, each situation, it's easy to write numbers down on a page because, you know, what are the numbers that apply to you? Okay, let's write them down on a page. But now, qualitatively, again, that's the quantitative side, the qualitatively, what's important to you? I have uh, uh, somebody that I worked with. They make decent money, but they have mounting debt, and uh, it's a real concern for them. So at that point we've actually redirected some savings. They were actually saving uh, quite a bit, but the savings was just, it was coming off their paycheck and it wasn't really anything that they, they missed, which is actually a good strategy. But um, in, on the flip side, she had this mounting debt, a lot of credit card debt, and so for about a year and a half, we reduced the savings plan that she was on, had more net pay coming out, and then she was able to redirect that in directly into the uh, the debt repayment. But again, that was a very calculated approach that was based on what was important to her once the debt was actually paid down, it wasn't paid off fu- fully. But once it was paid down so that she could say, "You know what? I can actually manage this now and I'll continue to pay it out of uh, other other amounts available to me." Then we redirected the money back into her savings plan because to me as you know as an investment, financial planning professional, I would want to make sure that uh, people are savings for retirement. But again, it's important for your advisor not to instill their values on you because I think that's important. It doesn't mean it's it's the, the most important. So um, it's really a matter of making sure like qualitatively what situation, what solution is going to match that, uh, that aligns your qualitative and quantitative goals. Awesome. So we learned a lot today. So
1: Raymond, it's been great chatting with you and we're really glad to know more about uh, the impact of debt, all in all in debt as well, and how we can deal with it. With it. And I was really fascinated about like the different options to, like say, f- financial advisors and also categorizing each items to your needs, wants, and all that. So thank you so much for j- joining us today. And I would also like to thank Daniel and CPA Alberta for having me as their guest co host for today's episode. So thanks so much, and I really had a great time.
0: Awesome. All right. So this special series on Straight from the CPA's Mouth focuses on financial literacy and shares what the experts have to say about smart money management. So Raymond, is there anything else you would like to add before we close up?
2: Well, I'd say if I didn't hammer it home enough, I'd say um, just be aware. Be financially, financially literate. Um, make sure whatever your situation is, that you're, you're tackling it. Uh, you know, if you've got no problems with debt or have no uh, no financial concerns, I'd still say everyone can benefit from financial literacy and making sure that they know exactly where they stand. I deal with a lot of very wealthy clients uh, who say that they felt even better after having a financial plan done. And then also on the other side of the extreme, uh, people who have possibly some, some debt issues. The most important thing you can do is deal with your situation the worst thing you can do is not dealing with your situation so by all means just reach out to someone talk to a friend talk to family members even go into your bank i mean there's i'll admit that there are some financial advisors who are sales focused but there are a lot of good financial advisors out there and financial planners out there that can give you really good advice so just make sure you reach out to somebody if you're if you have questions and uh, and just deal with it
0: That's awesome advice. Thank you so much. There you have it, everyone, straight from the CPA's mouth. Tune in to upcoming episodes for more financial literacy tips, and make sure to check out the various resources offered through the CPA Canada Financial Literacy Program at cpacanada.ca. In the next episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth, a panel of CPAs from different areas in accounting discuss saving and spending and how to balance the two. If you like what you've been hearing on Straight from the CPA's Mouth, let us know by emailing knowledgecenter@cpaalberta.ca at cpaalberta.ca with feedback and suggested topics and questions for future episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to the Straight from the CPA's Mouth mailing list for additional content and perks. Straight from
1: the CPA's mouth is brought to you by the CPA Education Foundation. The CPA Education Foundation is the charitable arm of the Alberta CPA profession, providing up to $1.2 million each year in support of business and accounting education in the province. This podcast is just one of many resource materials available through the Heshi CPA Knowledge Centre. This virtual hub features Alberta CPAs sharing their unique perspective and vast expertise on topics and issues such as leadership, finance, entrepreneurship, and more. Visit cpaalberta.ca. Foundation For more information on the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center and to learn how Alberta CPAs inspire success.